This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Devaney along with Colin Ward. Ahead of time, disclaimer, I guess if you want to call it. Um, if you hear Colin Ward lagging, that is because his internet is absolute freaking garbage right now. Um, yes, it is. He had a, you had a long battle with the internet company on Monday and uh, Ooh, what not a the day. result you really wanted, was it? Yeah, so what a week. For, like, literally from like Tuesday, from last Tuesday to like Sunday, I've been right out of, out of commission. I was sick, couldn't move. Like, it was bad. And then Thursday, my internet went out, so it's tough. So Monday, I finally got around to doing the internet, and uh, it was something, that's for sure. It was quite the debacle. I was on the phone for like seven hours. Five different people, or five or six different people. I was ready to tweet out, let's start it over at under 10, 10 uh, employees of this internet service company helping me out because it was rough. It wasn't good at all. I mean, I don't get it. All I had to do was click a button. I knew what they had to do. I'm not saying I knew, like, I could do their job because it's not my job. But Colin Ward, your newest done. internet insider. Hey, any kids listening to this, if you want advice on jobs in the future, online tutoring. <laughs> because while I was going, while I was going over <laughs> the internet, while I was going over the internet, I was on uh, Facebook and I all oh, good old Facebook. Okay, I'm like a I'm like an older person reading Facebook right now. Oh, look at this. Look at that. I'm making fun of my dad right now because he chairs me all the time. I'll hear that all the day. All the time. Look at this Facebook post. Look at this Facebook post back like from like <laughs> like 70s hockey pictures and stuff, which is cool, which is cool. But it's like I was one of those people on Monday afternoon reading Facebook. And I saw this teacher's education um, post. And it was like, if you're in grade three, you're at you're basically at a kindergarten level for uh education because of covid in the last three years and the block has been so that's like lights are flickering off in my brain and i'm like i know this is off topic but this is gonna be my off topic point in the show this week if you want if you want to have make that big dough and make the bag when you're older you gotta get you gotta get into tutoring because no lie you could probably make 500 bucks a day tutoring online our age, like I look at people at our age group Reese, and I laugh how like how did their brain think of doing that type thing. <laughs> that was weird. But, Your like, internet just made the worst noise of all time. Holy crap. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's good. me versus internet today. Yeah. And uh we're gonna overcome it. We're gonna persevere. Perseverance. Yeah. 2.0 show. I was gonna but, say uh, part two. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to make some dough, you wanna make the bag. You got to go and uh, you got to become an online tutor because the next age group coming up through the elementary school system, ours, ours isn't good. I'm worried about the next one after I saw the education thing. Reese, you know me, I'm a big uh, study guy on why people do the things they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, we're 23. We were born in 1998. Uh, I can admit it. I'm pretty dumb. Um, hey, I'm a blonde. I'm a blonde. Wardy is a blonde. A dumb, thanks. Very true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we, we didn't have much confidence in our graduating classes, I'm sure, and that just kind of speaks volumes to what's coming after us. So, yeah, that and uh, you got to get into uh, communications. The communications is a big career advice, in my opinion. 
if you can get into communications, there's all these trades, which is very important to the trades. Yeah. That's still very important. Well, I was going to say, that's a communication. Thing. If you can get into telecoms, controlling telephones, controlling internet connection, like this debacle that you're hearing right now in your ears, yeah. you're going to make a lot of dough. Because I swear every year, it's been three straight years now at this time, my internet goes out. And each year, it's like every year around the podcast, honey box, showdown. honey box, honey box. That yeah, we win. we win anyways. We win anyways. I just think people are clipping the lines, but um, <laughs> one, I swear it's a free 300 bucks every single year for uh, internet. So there's my uh, quick rant on the internet. It, it's been a go. This week has been a go, and I'm just excited to come on here and rant about hockey, which I'm excited for because there's a lot of topics. Yeah. I've been scrolling through Twitter and like watching video now all day. Once the internet came on, I've been on it all day getting caught up. So it's been fun, but that's why I've been quiet on the social media, going through some sick bits and then I'm back and then my internet goes out. So it's been a go. It's been a go. That's for sure. But Hey, just got to persevere. Yeah. Cause you had uh, on, your sleeve. on Thursday. <laughs> Say on Thursday, you couldn't even watch our featured game between Barry and uh, Owen Sound. You're I was replay out, guy. I was I was freaking out there too. <laughs> I was like, "This is dumb." I think I got it. This is dumb. <laughs> but yeah. yeah so uh, if you can't remember, because it was on Thursday, uh, this was a blowout. This wasn't even close. Uh, that yeah, would be big our get. first. First topic of discussion this week: the own sound attack big game getting too absolutely for, uh, shellacked by the Barry big Colts. Game, big game too for Gold Jelva. Yeah, it was. We yeah, called it. Was. Is that, that's that borderline effect because we said it. He was going to top off last week. We said it on the show. He's going to watch out for this guy. He's good. He's underrated. He's going to be in my top ten OHL prospects in the draft this year. Boom, Patrick in your face, just like that. Got a boy. Part part in the back. Partly in effect there. We know what he's capable of. Yeah, we so we will discuss is. that blowout of a game. Uh, give our thoughts on the weekend. Unfortunately, Mr. Ward could not make it to any uh, rinks this weekend. Uh, I made it to I'm a out of protocol. Saturday, Sunday. You are out. Now. Yeah, you'll be good to go. Uh, we'll get to his stat of the day. And then more than likely head into segment number two or finish up segment number one with this. Uh, suspensions again. Uh, Daniel Gushin finally has a verdict about his hit to the head. He is just one of a few players uh, to be suspended. Unfortunately, it's that nice. does include a show guest, but uh, uh, we'll and a get wage to prospect there. Yeah, uh, two two and one. That's tough. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll start off with segment number two. With this, we did it last week, where uh, kind of give our thoughts on the top six in the Western conference, why those teams we think have a shot at, uh, at making it to the finals and possibly winning a championship. Uh, this week we'll do the East. So we will get to that in segment number two, of course, players of the week, goalie of the week, and then our featured game coming up uh, this week in the Ontario hockey league. But uh, first Barry Owen sound. It was not close, nor did it feel close. Really? at any point in the game. It was an 8 nothing final in Twitter favor poll, what was, of the hometown Barry Colts. Twitter poll, it was closer to the game or uh, calling Wi-Fi, getting oh the game God. actually on. I don't know. They, 
it was close. That's giving it a run. That, the Wi-Fi is giving it a run for its money. It came on for 10 seconds, then went out. The end. Yeah, you're right. But, uh, yeah, it's all good. yeah, I mean, we can break this down as much as we want. It's, you know, it wasn't pretty. It was just one of those games. Owen Sound had one of those games where, all right, yep, it's over. Let's forget about it. Move on. And it looks like they moved on after the second period, unfortunately, because they gave up four in the third. So, you know, one thing is, though, Matt Goose, the 24 save shutout. I know it's 8 nothing, but you need 24 saves. That's still decent when the shots were 31 to 24. Mm-hmm. So, that's the one point I have on the game. That's like the one point I have. I like looking at the plus minus two for the team that lost, see if anyone's even. Uh, nobody was. I always think that's cool. If somebody makes it out even when you lose eight, nothing, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the other side too, who was even on the other side, who didn't get on the score sheet. Because once you get over five, you start to think, oh, we got a point night here tonight. And uh, then you start to see who got on the who got on the list. But uh, also, show guess Gavin Bryant was only a minus one in the game. So it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Obviously, yeah, you want to be better. Definitely but. could have been worse. Could have been minus eight. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse though. Yeah. That's not yeah. too bad. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the shots on goal. Like Owen Sound was even with Barry in the first and the third. Each team had nine yeah. shots apiece. Uh, you just look at that second period. And I know Owen Sound they only gave up two goals in the second. I say only lightly because that led to a four nothing. That's four nothing heading into the yeah. third. So that's pretty tough. But uh, yeah, outshot thirteen to six in that final frame. Like you mentioned, thirty one twenty four. Uh, the final shots on goal. Uh, power plays big factor in this as well. Owen Sound really not able to generate any momentum into five-on-five play. They were 0-for-4 with the man advantage. And then you look at the Barry Colts. They were 2-for-3 on the power play in this one. Face-offs as well. Barry controlled it. Wasn't even close. 38-24, uh, yeah, they won the face-off category. So, yeah, all, this this was Barry. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious. 8 nothing. Well, duh, it's going to be Barry. But, yeah, this, this was... It's unfortunate. We don't like having these blowouts in the featured games, but yeah, uh, sometimes it does happen, and unfortunately, it happened on Thursday. But quickly run through the scoring for you. Starting the first period, the Colts get two, uh, opening the scoring. Uh, Bo Gelsma, shorthanded, the eventual game winner, if you want to call it that. Uh, his 13th of the year, 621 mark of the first. And then 11:26 in Ethan Cardwell from Nathan Allenson and Brant Clark. That one was a power play goal. Uh, make it two nothing after one. Head to the second. Bo Gelsma gets goal number two on the evening. 14 on the season. Declan McDonald and Arthur Cholak get the assists. 15:30 mark of the second. And the Colts would get one. Three minutes and nine seconds after that to round out the scoring through 40. It was Evan Veerling, his 10th of the season, Anthony Tabak, and Ryan Del Monte. Uh, power play goal, 1839 mark of the second. And well, we head to the third. And like I kind of mentioned, uh, you know, this is a game you just look at it and forget about it as quickly as possible. Forget about it as you step off the ice to head back to the dressing room. Well, this is kind of what it seemed like for Owen Sound in terms of you know, trying to forget about it. Well, it felt like they tried to forget about it after the second, unfortunately, uh, because only a minute 38 in the Barry Colts would make it a five, nothing game. Ethan Cardwell's second of the night, 11th of the year, 
Brant Clark, Bo Gelsma getting the assists on that one. And only 11 seconds later, Hunter Haight gets goal number 10 on the year. Oliver Smith with the lone assist. Then with 8.05 into the period, I should say, Bo Gelsma completes the hat trick. Declan McDonald and Ethan Cardwell getting the assists. Yeah, no big deal whatsoever. Bo Gelsma, goal Gelsma, studly. And uh, rounding out the scoring, 18.34 mark of the third. Uh, Chris Grizzolia gets his second of the year. Declan McDonald gets the assist. And that would do it for this one. It was an 8-0 final. And, you know, we'll we'll give our thoughts as best as we can. And I'll start with you, Colin. I mean, how did – what do you make of a game like this? It's easily to say, yep, Barry, they controlled it. It was their game from puck drop to, you know, the final horn. Clearly you can say that, but I mean, is there any positives that Owen Sound can really take out of this and kind of, you know, I guess move on? And this was the first game of the weekend, really, but. Uh, That's the know. thing. That's the thing. You're glad. You're glad this happened on Thursday, not Saturday, because the attack bounced back in a really good way with, a massive road win the following night, Friday night in Kitchener, a massive win there on the road. I know Kitchener, no fans, it's still a tough place to win on the road in Kitchener. 5-2 win over the Kitchener Rangers. And then Saturday, I think it's the biggest win of their season for the Owen Sound attack. I mean, you go two for three on the weekend, Reese. After that 8 nothing loss on Thursday night, two for three, it's like, hey, this is perfect. This is perfect. That's a, that's a perfect weekend, especially mm-hmm. where they are, especially – were they predicted to win that game on Thursday night? Probably not, to be honest, on paper. On paper, Friday, Friday night, it's a little bit more even. Saturday night, you're playing Guelph, a team that's ahead of you in the standings. Guelph's probably the favorite going into that game. And you go in at home, and it's the last game on the weekend. You beat Guelph, who, needs, who desperately needed wins because with the London Knights being out of commission this weekend mm-hmm. in Michigan, Massive 6-3 win over the Guelph Storm. So the Owen Sound attack definitely bounced back, and it's a positive. That's for sure. As we both celebrate Dylan Larkin making it one nothing Detroit over Anaheim on Monday oh. night. Point of game. Uh, Point of game play. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you said it perfectly. Owen Sound heading into their games Friday, Saturday, outscored 8 uh, nothing. Well, you know what? They didn't make out too bad. They got – Outscored over the weekend 11 to 13, but to still recover to score 11 goals after giving up eight in 60 minutes, just, you know, the beginning night of the weekend. That's a pretty nice recovery for Owen Sound. And like you said, yeah, it was perfect that it happened the first game, you know, where you get into that second game, possibly say you give up eight to Kitchener. And, you know, maybe it's not an 8 nothing game against Barry, but just saying in that situation, maybe you get the job done against the Colts. Then you go into Kitchener, and, uh, yeah, you give up eight, and you don't score any. Well, yeah, against Guelph, that might set the table for a, for a very bad game on Saturday. But, you know, exactly. the reverse happened. They give up eight on the Thursday, and then they come back two huge victories against a couple of Western Conference rivals. So, yeah, nice recovery for Owen Sound. Um you know, looking at Barry and just the games in hand, just it's it's unbelievable. And I'm sure London's going to get into this They're situation eventually. But Barry Colts, just they – I don't think you could ask for a better position. And, you know, the, there is one concern out there, the rumors of the Toronto Maple Leafs and whether these are actually true or not. Um, Matt Guzda potentially 
uh, suiting up, whether it's as a Marley or a Maple Leaf or whatever, if that'll actually happen, well, that's yet to be seen. But for right now, Guzda is a Barry Colt. They're in a really nice spot, Colin. I don't think it gets any better than this. I think they're in the best spot in the division right now. When you look at the points, right, 44 points, 46 for Hamilton. You, know, you got the game in hand. North Bay is the team that's in trouble right now in the top six just because of the games played. You're at 41 games played. Barry's at 34. Barry's only two points back. Safe to say the Barry Colts are going to pass North Bay Battalion with that amount of games in hand. I mean, you would think with that amount of games in hand, they would pass it. So there's a spot. The one game that those head-to-head games are massive too. Hamilton Barry are gonna have some big ones down the stretch. Kingston Barry, Kingston Kingston to me, I got to see them play better against the good teams to be sold on them. But the Barry Colts are definitely in a good spot. That's for sure coming out of the weekend. And with those games in hand, look out! They got a chance here to go on a run. The one thing is to see how many games Ethan Cardwell gets. He's a leader for them. It's gonna be interesting to see how many games does he get. He's a first line player for them. It's going to be interesting. Very good deadline, too, for Marty Williamson as well. Very underrated. Declan McDowell has been on a heater, an absolute heater since coming over, and they made that trade with Olsen. Olsen started off slow in Oshawa. Declan McDowell comes in. They don't look back. Very good deadline for the Barry Colts. They get picks. They, they got more picks in their stockpile for next year, but I think they're going to be an elite contender. Obviously, I think this year they're an elite contender, too, but mm-hmm. they're stocked up here for a good two, three years here of being a competitive team where you're going to mention the Barry Colts with a chance to win the championship. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm just going through their remaining schedule and just kind of looking at their opponents. And we talk about within their division in that central division and the two teams in particular, I'm looking at are the Sudbury Wolves and the Niagara ice dogs. Um, you know, just counting on my hand, you're looking at six, seven matchups against the, against those two clubs. If you're the Barry Colts, the, those turn in with as many games in hand. You can look at it and say, hey, maybe we yeah. can afford to lose one or two of them. Well, no, in Marty Williamson's eyes, um, we're going to win all of them because we we have all these games in hand, but we got to actually win them. It's not just about, oh, yeah, we're fine. We're in a really good spot. We, we don't have to worry about anything. Uh, but, no, you got to beat the Niagara Ice Dogs, who are eight points out of a playoff spot. Games in hand. Games in hand. You're right. Six games in hand on the Sudbury Wolves. Ice Dogs have only played 33 games, which is actually less than eight the Barry Colts. Um, and, yeah, eight points behind. So, I mean, you never know. The Ice Dogs could go on a run. Um, is it likely? Eh, that's yet to be seen. But uh, it is possible. They are still uh, within reach with six games in hand. But, yeah, the Barry Colts, you got to win those games against Sudbury and Niagara. If you don't, you could easily stay – uh, from that fourth to sixth place range in that Eastern Conference and more than likely have a road first round. You will not have home ice advantage. So, yeah, that's just Marty Williamson knows that, and he's he's going to be on his team the entire way. It's it, it's We play every game 110%. We play every game like we're playing the Mississauga Steelheads right or the Sioux Greyhounds or the London Knights or Frontenacs, Bulldogs. you got to play it like you're playing the top team. Same approach. Them, so. Day in and day out, same approach. Uh, Barry Colts get the job done this past week's featured game. 8-0 final over Owen Sound. Moving on. Uh, thoughts on the weekend? Well, a little bit tough with Wardy's internet. and. Uh, oh, I got him. 
sickness, but Colin's got the, his thoughts on the weekend. I'll give it, I'll give my, my first thought. And this kind of goes towards the Niagara ice dogs. And I, I was at the game in St. Catharines on Saturday against the Hamilton Bulldogs. And, you know, you think, Oh, this game could easily, you could see it at, you know, an eight, nothing game. Like we saw with Barry and Owen sound, but then you look at the Bulldogs roster or lineup, I should say for that night. And of course, McTavish is gone for the Olympics. Uh, Colton Kammerer, not part of the lineup. Uh, Logan Morrison, not part of the lineup, which I can confirm. I have asked, uh, it doesn't sound like there's anything major there between those two guys. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of thought it was their night off. Um, was told yeah. otherwise. So, um, yeah, they're, they're okay. The Ice Dogs were in that game, I thought. You know, they didn't have a great first period, but I thought they were great in the second. And I, a shout-out has to go to Josh Rosenswag because he's he's not your typical goalie. And I think that's what surprises teams most often is, you know, watching Drobak at the other end. Like, he's, he's a pretty big dude. Like, he covers a lot of that net. You can't see a whole lot of netting in behind him, whereas Rosenswag... He's small. He kind of plays a little bit more closed than most goalies. He's acrobatic. Yeah, it's just he can flex everywhere, and that's why he's around for the save of the night or saves of the weekend. Like that's that's just the way he is. So I think I I think he's is he the most underrated goalie in the OHL? No, but I think he's in that conversation because he keeps Niagara in a lot more games than they probably should be, and I just I. That's one thing I noticed is just he he played really well despite a loss to Hamilton. Yes. I thought I thought he played really well that night. Yeah, I think Josh Rosenzweig is the most underrated goalie. Definitely top three in the yeah. OHL. With him, you're not going to get the pretty structure. I mean, butterfly, typical butterfly, straight up, nice style, very technical. You're not going to get that. You're gonna get that acrobatics day for him. That fish out of water. It's like, oh, there's a tap, and you're gonna dive across and make a safe right-handed catcher too, which is kind of different, right, for a right-handed catching yeah. goaltender. So it's just a little different, and I think that goes a long way with the two with the style. But he's definitely all over the place, and he can make the he can make the beauties that's for sure. And yeah, I would say he's top three for sure for most underrated goaltender in the Ontario Hockey League. He's right up there. He's he's very underrated. You put him on a team where they give up 20, 25 shots tonight. Look at the difference. Yeah. Big difference. I agree. Uh, one, more, one more thing as well. The Hamilton Bulldogs, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, I guess you could say, 4 o'clock start, first Ontario Centre uh, against Kingston. Colin tweeted this out. If you didn't see it, uh, look at his Twitter. Um, yeah, the the one two one works so well for the Bulldogs. And yeah, that was, my, that was, that was my thing that caught my eye. It was, and, and one thing that I kind of put – as Kingston, while well, they didn't really give themselves a chance to enter the zone well, is because they didn't. You had the puck carrier with speed, but the other four guys were standing at the blue line. You know, I, I mentioned this early in the season uh, with Ted Lehman on radio broadcast for the Ice Dogs in Hamilton. Like, you can't have four guys standing at the blue line and one guy rushing because if that guy's rushing and he decides to dump it and go chase after it, well, you've got one guy going up against two to three defenders and everyone's still trying to speed up and get that speed into the zone because they were standing still at the blue line. And that's essentially what yeah, the Kingston no Frontenacs were like on that's Sunday. Like the drop is, off. 
yeah, they were so stagnant at that blue line. You'd get Shane right. He'd be all, you know, he'd be fired up. He'd be carrying the puck into the zone. Well, he's got no support. He's got to take a harmless shot on goal. And, you know, yesterday, Costantini didn't have a whole lot of trouble with too many shots. So that that's one thing that I noticed with Kingston is they got to have better zone entries. And again, credit to Hamilton. They have one of the, you know, they have one of the best groups of defense of all time. Maybe not of all time, but they are really good. So, I mean, credit to them for being stellar. But, yeah, those are just a couple things I noticed over the weekend being at the couple games I was at. Um, but, yeah, well, what do you have, Wardy, from uh, that was from your, it. a friendly that, confines of Delhi, Ontario? That was the thing that caught my eye, the penalty kill for the Hamilton Bulldogs, a one-two-one time. I mean, that penalty kill for that, it's, it's very tough because they're so skilled. They can skate well, right? They can skate well, and that's the big thing. When you can, when you got a good, when your forwards can skate and they're back on the back check and they're in, they're on top of the Kingston forward coming into the zone, that's huge. And yesterday, like you said, Kingston couldn't get an entry. Yeah. Kingston could not get an entry, and it's very tough when you can't get an entry. It's frustrating on a power play. And my the biggest thing I don't like my pet peeve about the power play is the drop off. I mean, obviously, being Red Wing fans, we saw that. Well, we didn't really see it, but Very we saw it in the history. The Russian Five. The Russian Five is the one that started that. It only works when everybody's going up ice. Everyone yeah. says, oh, it's the Russian Five. Play it but the CFL Russian style. Five, when, exactly. When you, see, when you look at the videos of the Russian Five, the way they attacked going up the ice through the neutral zone into the, into the attacking zone, they didn't have four guys up top and just one guy skating. They were all going together as one wave. On you, and that's what made them so powerful, so tough to defend. It wasn't this drop off. Okay, I'm going to skate to the blue line, skate to center, and drop it all the way back off to the to my own slot to a guy like 20 feet behind me. I mean, it wasn't like that. It was all a nice fluid motion up the ice, and it wasn't like this. I, I don't, I don't really like that when people say, "Oh, the Russian five started it." Yeah, but it's changed a lot. The Russian five attacked the zone. This mm-hmm. isn't really attack. It doesn't work unless you got a guy coming to speed. It's very, it's very like if you're not a good skater, and I'm not saying Shane Wright isn't a good skater because he brings a puck up for them most of the time, but it only works for guys like Connor McDavid, guys that can skate, Nathan McKinnon, guys that can fly. Hamilton can do that with Misak, with McTavish. Those guys can fly. Evangelista in London, Shane Wright can too. But that's another thing you gotta have options, right? When you look at Hamilton, when Hamilton does their entry. Hamilton has Nathan Steos, Ryan Winterton, who's usually around the slot area. It's either Meshack or McTavish with Steos coming up the ice. That's pretty good options. You got options. If I'm Steos, I get the puck, come to the fence without retrieving the puck. I get, I'm, I'm getting the breakout. I'm starting the breakout, right? I look to my right, I have Mason McTavish. I look to my left, I have Yami Sack. You got, those are really good options. Those guys can carry the puck. London has that too. You have Logan May. You back at the back retrieving pucks for the Knights power play. That's pretty good. Then you have Antonio Strongest, who is a really good skater. You need skate, you need someone that can skate on the power play. You have Luke Evangelista and Sean McGurn. They have those options. I just want to see Kingston. I want to see more of Martin Chromiak with the puck. I want to see more flow coming up the ice. I want to see more offensive abilities from Ben Roger, guys like that. I want to see more, you know, more jam. You know, I want to see jam out of those guys. Because A Wisdom plays, he has a little feistiness to him, but we really haven't saw that yet this year. And I'm waiting to see that, you know, that little, that little ump. And if and if they can give that to the Kings of Frontenacs, then they're what we thought they are. But 
their power play definitely struggled on Sunday against the Hamilton Bulldogs. And that's why I had to tweet that out because Hamilton a couple of weeks ago when they played Kingston, they switched and Kingston buried them on the power play. And then all of a sudden they go back to the one, two, one diamond on Sunday. It's like, okay, you're over four. Thanks for coming out. And yeah. that, that, that's what caught my eye. I just think it's, it's so easy when you're, when you do the drop off, there's nobody behind you. So it's either dumping it in or a bad pass. And it's not, and it's just another clear, nothing good happens like that against the Hamilton penalty kill. Cause they're such good skaters up front and their defense know what they got to do. They're really good defensively. Like you said, Reese. And yeah, that's what caught my eye. Very good gap control in the penalty kill by the Hamilton Bulldogs and good structure to their PK. That's for sure. I really like it. Yeah. Also just the fact that everyone was laying out to block shots, no matter who you were, Jan Mishak yeah. was blocking shots. I mean, you saw Winterton blocking shots, uh, Arbor Jacki, George Diaco, they were all blocking shots. So it's just, it's just a team that's effort. You got to, yeah. It's got to be a collective effort. And that's what the Hamilton Bulldogs did. And their, their bench is fired up. And I mean, any team gets fired up whenever someone lays their body on the line to block a hard shot. But I mean, that Bulldogs bench gets up. They get fired up when someone blocks a shot, especially if it is, you know, a guy like Jan Mishak or even uh, eventually Mason McTavish. I'm sure we'll see him do it quite a bit in uh, in a Hamilton Bulldogs uniform, maybe a little bit more than Jay McKee would like, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll do it. Third overall pick in the NHL. He's, he, he knows what it takes to be successful. Exactly. And when, when you make those moves at the deadline, Reese, you get that momentum, right? And you get that, okay, we're going for it every night. We got to give it our all. And that's what and that's what Hamilton's going through. They made the biggest move at the deadline. They definitely made the biggest move at the deadline. And now you're seeing that momentum high you get from making a move for a base McTavish. And, hey, a very, very underrated move, Arbor Jacki as well. Arbor Jacki is a guy that's going to kill penalties to – what a top five defense in the Ontario Hockey League. Very underrated move that is getting an OA like Harbor Jack. He's tough. He's physical. He's in your face. You got some sandpaper. You're going to get that momentum. And hey, Harbor well, Jack is probably going to lead the shot blocker. So, yeah, well, nice to have. well, and that was a matchup I kind of looked forward to in that game was, and I noticed it throughout the entire contest was Zayden Wisdom and Harbor Jack. I went at each other a couple times uh, throughout yeah. that game. Like they were. They were at each other. There were a couple hacks. There were a couple shoves thrown. Like nothing too too serious. But I mean, you know, wisdom and Jack. I had their conversations, and that was just like you said. We need to see some more feistiness out of Zade Wisdom, and you saw a little bit on Sunday. But you're right. You gotta got You gotta get it's it out like of what we him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was a fun matchup to watch. I mean, Jack. I got caught a couple times. Uh, with a little frustration, something happened. He didn't like it, and then he went after someone. Got a penalty. So I mean, again, we you, you know you're going to get that with Jack. I we saw it in Kitchener. He you take a lot more penalties than you'd want to, but you know just the way of the style of his game kind of works out. That, that, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Modern the same game. thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, it was uh, it was a good weekend. A lot happened. A lot of excitement happened. So. You know, as we head into fe- as we head into February, it's just it's going to start to pick up. The pace is going to pick up, and it's going to be a good playoff speaking, stretch. Speaking of th- speaking of uh, thoughts on the weekend, and we might as well get to the stat of the day, Reese. I don't know if you have a sponsor yep. for it. Go for but, it. I got one. Absolutely, I have with, one. <laughs> I think I know it. We are with speaking of the Hamilton Bulldogs. My stat of the day, and it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a little. There's a couple, there's two stats today, but the one, I'll speak, uh, we were speaking of the Hamilton Bulldogs, Yami Sack, 
five goals on nine shots this weekend. Pretty good, yeah. pretty good shooting percentage. I mean, five shot, five goals, nine shots. Really, really good weekend for Yami Shack. I need to mention that. That's why I tweeted out that too. How is he not player of the week when you look at that? If you're going off numbers and you're going off because everyone goes off numbers now, quote unquote numbers, which I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of the eye candy, but you score five goals on nine shots. If anyone, if anyone else, like if anyone that's making the player of the week went out and took nine shots on an OHL goaltender, they're probably not going to score one. So that's what my opinion, that's what I think Yanni Sag should have been a player of the week. Brand Clark, well-deserving, but what a weekend for Yanni Sag, that's for sure. And my second and final stat of the day, it's a big one because it Rolf Storm never got a win. So George Burnett's next win will tie him for first on the all-time Rolf Storm head coaching list with 164 wins with Scott Walker. So George Burnett making he climbed that list pretty quick. Yeah. He's climbed that list pretty quick. I was surprised it was so fast to see him on there. But yeah, George Burnett his next win will tie him for first on the Guelph Storm list. And it was too bad to see also. I know I know it's not a stat of the day, but another thing that caught my eye, it was too bad to see on Friday night. It was too bad to see Tyler Boucher, the Ottawa Senators 10th round pick or 10th overall pick, uh leave the game early. I mean, I know he had a lot of uh Interest a lot of eyes on him being a top 10 NHL pick playing in our league. It's a big deal. So uh, hopefully he's okay. I know he got a high stick, never returned. I know he, I know he's out week to week. I believe it's week to week, but uh, hopefully he's back soon. And uh, yeah, we'll see more on that. I believe it's week for week, week to week. I know uh, Dickerson's out week to week. I might be, I might be mixing them up. So don't quote me on that one, but I know Dickerson's out uh, week to week and soon. Colin Ward's stat of the day brought to you by crappy internet, crappy internet. It's 2022. Figure it out. All right. (laughs) Quickly before we hit the break, uh, suspensions. I think we avoided this for what? A week? Maybe two? Yeah. Hey, you know what? (laughs) I'll I'll take talking about suspensions if we're not talking about canceled games. Very true. Yeah, good point. that's a good trade-off. It is and it isn't, but it's yeah. a good trade-off. At least we have games. Good point. Uh, we will start in Saginaw. Braden Hislop, five games for a high stick on January 23rd. He will be back February 10th at home against the Erie Otters. That's when you go back to the connecting thing or the Jake Gensel connecting situation with that connecting. It's like that thing's a weapon, but any outdoor game with the mic yeah Daniel Gushin four games for his check to the head on the 25th against North Bay he will be back uh, February 4th at home against Ottawa well, a, there's a little bit of a scary incident on Saturday and I think it might have been on Beyondy on that penalty shot um that was that was wild i can't remember who the niagara defender was i think it was cato i think it was landon cato coming back 
Of course, you always try to disrupt a guy by kind of slapping your stick against him. Well, Cato kind of lost yeah. control of his stick, and it came up, yeah, and I, I th- I'm pretty sure it was Biondi, and hit him in the side of the head. And I'm like, oh, my God. He just took a friggin' one-handed whack. He did the Jose Batista bat Like, that, that was a little scary. Like, thank God it wasn't serious. Like, he was able to take the penalty shot. He missed. Nice save by Rosenzweig. But, um, yeah, no, that was a little bit scary. I thought something else could have came out. Yeah. Um, to Windsor. And they mentioned him on the Wings broadcast. John Paul Morosi mentioned him on the Wings broadcast Monday night, kind of talking about the Red Wings' future. Yeah. You know, underrated picks, and Pasquale Zito was one of those guys. Um, he is out for five games with, uh, thanks to a check to the head on the 27th of January. He will be back February 12th when the Spitfires host the London Knights. He'll be ready to go for that one, that's for sure. Oh, I would be. Uh, and then finally, Ethan Cardwell uh, indefinitely suspended. Yeah. Reporting on the 29th. Yeah, and this is why Dickinson's out week to week. Well, longer than a week to week. He's out indefinitely because of a broken femur. So yeah. he's out long term. That's unfortunate because very good player for our league. Broken femur, Reese, you might not see him again this year. Yeah. That's that's not a good injury. Unless they go on a deep playoff run, obviously, which they still might, but you're not going to see him until at least playoffs, I would imagine now, with a broken femur. Even longer, because it was one of those hits that's a unavoid. That's it's avoidable for sure, and uh, it was unfortunate um, going down for icing. Well, when, you, when you hear, yeah, yeah, you hear the extent of the injury, and you almost wonder. Um, and everyone, the conversation's been around. Oh, should he be suspended for as long as the player misses due to injury? I don't agree with oh. that at all. But how many games are the Barry Colts going to be without Ethan Cardwell? You think about how much this hurts Sault Ste. Marie. Well, it hurts the Barry Colts as well. And, I mean, again, I don't yeah. like seeing these kind of hits. I don't like players getting suspended. I don't like players Very getting scary. hurt. But Ethan Cardwell will more than likely be out for a pretty decent amount of time. And Now, am I saying 15 games or something like that? No, probably not. Maybe around, you know, that, I don't know, six to eight maybe. I was just about I, to like, say this six is, to eight games, yeah, six to ten. It's tough. I'm, I've never been a really – It was a scary injury. It was yeah. a scary injury, right? When you get taken off on the ambulance, that's scary. I mean, that's scary. And anytime you go off on, like, with the stretcher and stuff, that's scary. That's a scary yeah. incident. You don't want to see that. Um, it was a tough situation. I mean, Cardwell's going in. He gives him a push from behind. And then Dickinson runs into Ponnet, I believe, defensing for Barry. That's a tough situation. I mean, that's, that's tough. And then you see it. And then – after the situation happens and very unfortunate, but yeah, really six to 10, probably. Yeah. Never been a really I mean, big uh, player safety guy. So it's tough for me to make a call on that. Yeah. Cardwell doesn't have a history. That's the thing, right? He doesn't have a history of this. I mean, seems like a good guy. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously it doesn't matter if he's a good guy or not. He still do it. But yeah. anytime you go off like that, it's not what you want to see. And, um, when you're, the, when you're not expecting it, right? Dickinson was not expecting that at all. And then, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, hopefully he gets better quick because a uh, really good player for a league and he's got a bright future ahead, that's for sure. All right, time for a break. We are approaching the 40-minute mark on the show. Uh, when we come back, as Wardy is like, what? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're getting there. 39 and a half minutes and counting. Uh, yeah, when we come back, why do the top six Eastern Conference teams have a shot at a title this year? And I'm sure the seventh place Ottawa 67s may creep into this conversation. They are only two points out of sixth, but uh, we did six for the West. So we're going to try and do it six for the East when we return here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the OHL in 60 podcast. Uh, link tree is there. It's got all the links to, oh, oh good one, Reese, Captain Obvious. Link tree has all the links. Good one. Um, <laughs> to wherever you listen to your podcast, favorite platform, uh, we are there. Of course, Bulldogs Audio Network as well. As of the beginning of this year, we are joining them. Uh, Reed Duffy and the whole Bulldogs crew on the Bulldogs Audio Network. And the website is there as well. Joel Vanderland has got his articles there. And Mr. Ward has got a couple up there. So yeah, you can check it out at the OHL and 60 podcast. Again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Getting into segment number two. We did it last week. Talked about the top six teams in the Western Conference and why they have a shot and making it to the finals and possibly winning a title moving over to the East. And I'm sure Ottawa will get into our conversation, um, but we will go with the sixth place Oshawa generals as of Monday at 8:42 PM. The Oshawa generals 37 games played record of 18, 16, one and two 39 points, which is five back of fifth place. Barry, of course, Barry, three games in hand on the Generals, but the Generals have four games in hand on fourth place North Bay. So we'll see if that has anything to do with it. But, uh, Wardy, we'll start with you. Why do the Oshawa Generals uh, have a shot at a title this season? Well, they have a shot because they have a lot of goal scoring. They have a lot of expected goal scorers. They have a lot of people that can put the puck in the net and create good high-scoring chances, high-quality scoring chances for their team. I mean – the big point to me is, though, can, if Oscar Olsen gets it going, if Oscar Olsen gets it going, why not Oshawa? Why not Oshawa? And they went out and made some moves at the deadline, right? They go get Cam Butler. They go get Oscar Olsen. They go get Stuart Roloffs. They went out and got some guys at the deadline, all guys that are above average players in the league. So you got to look out for them, obviously, making those moves. But Oscar Olsen, if he can get it going, only three points in nine games, if he gets it going, why not Oshawa? I mean, Tulio, Harrison, Olson. That that right there should say, or at least winning a couple of rounds yeah. with that line. Yeah, I think I think it's just a combination of trying to get everything working at once. You mentioned Olson, um, but for for me, it's and I know I go to this a lot, but for the generals that actually. You know, they're a 1A, 1B type team. Papasakis, yes. Lever, like it's – It's like a at, at, at the times year. they've been really good. At other times they haven't. And can they get both working at the same time? Can they get 
their offense going and defense going at the exact same time. Can't be one or the other. It's got to be both at the same time. I think that's been part of the general's problem this season. And just, it's a matter of figuring it out at once. And I talk about George Burnett with the Guelph storm all the time. We talked about how many guys are a, a point per game or higher. Well, one pass the job, but for some reason, George Burnett gets them to play together all at the same time. Of course it does come in bunches as with the Gulf storm being in fifth place right now, but still got time to move back up and, you know, Burnett's going to figure it out. Same thing with the Oshawa generals. Just got to get everything going at once. So. Yes, for sure. Uh, moving up to fifth, the Barry Colts. And we kind of got into them a little bit as part of our featured game. Uh, but for sure now 34 games played 20 wins, 10 losses, and they've got four overtime losses, 44 points on the season. And easy to say they have one of the best goaltenders in the Ontario Hockey League, but what's another reason why the Barry Colts have a chance to win an OHL championship this season? Well, the Barry Colts can definitely win, win an OHL championship this year. I mean, a lot of people had them winning the OHL championship in the preseason media poll. and That includes the reason, me. The reason why they would have that is – because it was before they had the goaltending, but they had that number one defenseman. They have a good top line, and they have a lot of good young players coming up. I mean, Aki, Jelsma, Hyatt, Matthews, like that's just four guys right there that you can think of and that are, that are guys that you think of that are young guys that can perform, that are ready to perform at a high level in this league. I mean, Bo Jelsma's tied for first in goal score for rookies this year at the moment. So that's a guy that, is ready for it. They have other guys that are ready for the pressure and why not? They have the games in hand. Now that they got a goalie, Marty Williamson knew they had to get a goaltender. They got a goaltender. They're the best, one of the best goaltenders in the Ontario hockey league. They have one of the best defensemen in the Ontario hockey league. And now their young guys are starting to perform. So why not Barry? They're a team where you can't be on them too early because guys got to get used to the league. Right. Now that we're past Christmas, now it's like we got our team now ready to pass the yeah. deadline. There's no more rookies now in the league. That's why you're going to start to see the Perry Colts start to go on a run here, go on a little bit of a heater, and uh, pass some teams in the standing. It'll start to be where people thought they were going to be. Yeah, I think it all goes back to Marty Williamson. Uh, I He's still my pick to win Coach of the Year. I still think that Barry Colts could easily finish in a top three spot. Like you said, they've got the number one defenseman. They've got that number one goalie who's going to play every game in the playoffs. Uh, and just, yeah, you look, at, you look at contributions up and down the lineup. You know, Jacob Frasca, Ethan Cardwell, even though he's going to miss uh, some time due to suspension. Uh, Hunter Haight, we saw him get on the score sheet uh, in our feature game. Yeah, and then, of course, the departure of Olsen, but McDonald and uh, a lot of people are talking about what he adds to this team. And, you know, they were talking about it on the broadcast uh, on Rogers TV during the game saying, uh, talking to, of course, the crew in Kitchener, just about what McDonald brings to the team. And of course the guys in Kitchener, yeah, we'd like him back. Do you want to reverse that trade and, you know, throw maybe one of those reverse cards from uh, what the hell is that game called from Uno, throw one of those reverse cards and redo that trade and kind of not do it. But, uh, yeah, it's just Mar Marty Williamson, he, he knows what he's doing. He's coached in a good Eastern Conference before. Let's, let's, not, let's not forget the Niagara Ice Dogs were a fourth-place team, and they made it to the OHL Finals in 2016. They beat the 
top-seeded Barry Colts. They beat the highly touted Kingston Frontenacs that year after beating the Ottawa 67s in round one. You know, the, he even if they finish fourth or fifth, there's no, still do. a chance because that, that system, it's just – it's so professional. I and mean, you get those coaches around the league that it's just it, – you can tell that they – have studied so much. They've studied the game so much. They know they enough guys where they can ask questions. They can get opinions on what they're doing. It just, yeah, it works out so well. And again, still a lot to play for. Like this season's for, for Dale Howard, Chuck, absolutely. That's what the Barry Colts are playing for. They want to do something great for them. And they still can. Well, that's the thing. Mark Williamson, those veteran coaches around the league, they, they know how to read the game. They know how to read their players. They've been around so long. They can, they can make adjustments on the fly like that. They know what they're doing. And Marty Williamson, exactly, he knows how to make adjustments. Because that year, when the Niagara Ice Dogs upset a couple teams and went to the finals, they beat all the good teams throughout the year. Yeah. The Barry Colts beat all the good teams this year. They're a team that can match up well against any team in the league because their coach knows how to play the matchup. He knows how to roll the dice. He knows what he's doing. He's been there before. And that trade, that trade getting McDonald, is that trade, that's a Marty Williamson specialty right there. That's a guy that saw him play. He's done his scouting. He knows if he gets that guy, that's a guy that's going to come in here and he's going to produce points because we know where he's going to be. That's a guy we're completely sold on. Other teams might not be, but we are. We're completely sold on this guy. We're going to go pull the trigger for this guy. We want him. He's going to come in and play on our top line and get points. And that's just Marty Williamson knowing what he's doing. He knows how to read the game, and he's just one of the best. He's one of the best all time for a reason. Yeah, and let's, again, I said it. The Ice Dogs beat the front axe and Colts, and uh, it's not like it was a highly contested series. The Ice Dogs swept both those teams uh, in the semis and then in the East Finals. So, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing, I'd say. Sure. Moving on, fourth place team, North Bay Battalion, tied for third with Hamilton, but Hamilton has so many games in hand and one more win. So North Bay sits in fourth place right now, 41 games. They are 2015, three and three with 46 points on the season. Well, North Bay is that team reach where they can score. They can score, but can scoring continue in the playoffs? It's very hard, right? Yeah. If you're any, when you're an elite scorer, it's very hard to find that in the playoffs and the postseason. It's a different game. It's a different animal. I mean, look at the guys over a point a game. I mean, Brandon Coe, 66 points in 40 games. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, Petrov, 56 and 36. They have those guys, Russell, 49 and 38. They got that top line that can score. And that's massive. When you have a good top line, it can take you through a couple playoff series. Do they have the goalie? I think so with Verbatic. I really do. I like Joe Verbatic. Then you look at their defense. Do they have the defense? It's going to be interesting to see how Ty Nelson looks in the playoffs because we all know he's a workhorse. We all know that he's in his draft year. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do in the postseason. But to me, can their goal scoring continue? If it can continue, they're definitely an elite. They're definitely a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And once you get the top four in the postseason that in that second round, that's when that's when there's no pretenders. If you get to this, if you win a playoff round, even in that second round, that's where you're in the quote unquote big boy type. Feel yeah. at hockey. You're in that hockey now, and that's where the men come out. And that's going to be a that's to see can they win a series? It's important to stay in the top four. 
that four or five series, those are going to be very interesting. The three, six series is going to be very interesting. You got to get the top two in the Eastern conference to have a, and you not you don't even have a lock in the first round, but to have a little bit of breathing room and even say that is, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, for, for me, I think North Bay, is, you, you, you got to figure out how to beat Mississauga. Uh, last four matchups, North Bay is 0-4 against the Mississauga Steelheads. And that's essentially like who you're chasing right now. And obviously, Barry, same division as North Bay with all those games in hand. So, yeah, you can say the North Bay Battalion are fighting against Barry for, you know, the exact same reason. But Mississauga is at the top. And being 0-4 against the top team, yeah, I mean, if you're – under them, then of course Mississauga is going to be the favorite. But championship teams beat those top teams, and to be zero and four against Mississauga in their last four contests, dating back to December seventeenth, that's not very good. And I'm just scrolling through their schedule, uh, the remaining schedule. They get Mississauga again in Mississauga. It's a Friday, February eleventh, seven o'clock a.m. If anyone wants to go. Uh, yeah, I think as I scroll into March, they get Mississauga again on the 27th of March, and that's it. Two more road games against the Mississauga Steelheads, and both are on the road. And if you're in a, if you want to be in a situation that North Bay wants to be, and that's at the top, you have to win those games, and you have to put yourself in a position to win those games. And like you said, Ty Nelson on defense, he's going to shut things down, and he's going to put up points. Joe Verbetic and net, yeah. He's a good goaltender, but that consistency has got to start to come. He's got to start making those extra saves to get victories when it's 2-1 or 3-2, 4-3, those close one-goal games. So, again, for them, it's putting it together at the same time as well. Just like I said about Oshawa, they just got to figure it out at the same time. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you get hot at the right time. That's the thing, right? Yeah. You got to peak at the right time. I was going to say, you can be the hottest team in the OHL, finish fourth or fifth, and who cares if you're playing the greatest hockey ever? Who gives a crap? Yeah. You, can, you can beat any team, right? Exactly. That, that, that's a great thing about this year. There's so many good teams. You never know. We could see a six-seed upset, a three-seed, or, you know, you never know. Exactly. Uh, third place, Hamilton Bulldogs. 35 <laughs> games played there, 21-10-2-2. Also have 46 points, same as the North Bay Battalion. That my point, it's simple. Their their defense is probably the best in the conference on paper. I don't it's very tough to match up with that defensive core. It's very good. The big one is we were talking about this yesterday, that top line, Misak, Winterton, and McTavish. That line has potential to be the best line in Bulldogs history, if it's what it is. I mean, Reese, we were talking yesterday. If that if that line was together for a full season, Misak, Winterton, and McTavish. And you got to remember, all three of these players have missed time. They've how many games they played together on the same in the same lineup? Like five. It's they can yeah. had a weekend. They lost a weekend. It might only be like five games they played together, and they're putting up points. That line when they get hot in the playoffs and when McTavish comes back from the Olympics, congratulations by the way, Mason McTavish. Recently a birthday too, so happy birthday too. But that line has potential to be in the top five in OHL in the last ten years in the OHL if they can get if they can get hot at the right time and if they can keep humming because it's very good. Winterton 
Winterton's very underrated. He's a very underrated player. I mean, he's a guy that's been out, right? He's been out. He came back after the deadline, and then he comes in and scores. We're talking about Misak, right? But Winterton had a great weekend as well. And yeah. it's just the way it is. And it reminds me so much, Reese, we were talking about Erie, right? Radish, Debrinket, Strom. That's a really good line. I mean, to Chuck Dvorak and Narna, that's a really good line. McTavish, Winterton, Misak. That line's going to be right in there. That line's right in there. I mean, we talked about Suzuki and Whistle and Ratcliffe, too. They're right in there. That line's right there with them on paper. So it's fun to watch. That's fun to watch because you like that. If you're chasing history, you like that. To be on, to be compared to lines like that, that's a very big deal. That's that's something where you go down in history, right? History's so big because you can never take that away from you, right? It's there. And that's, to me, that's that line. Every year, every team that wins has a top line that's the best. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, well, where does this line rank in the last five years? Where does it rank? And it's right there. That line to me is the line where it's like we're watching this team in the final score about a combined five points a game, and we're like, okay, they're going to win the Memorial Cup, right? That's the type of line that I think we have right now in the Ontario Hockey League, and I think Hamilton has it. Yeah, the Hamilton Bulldogs, 149 goals for most in the Eastern Conference, fourth most overall in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, for me, there's a big decision coming for the Hamilton Bulldogs, and I don't know if you make this before the playoffs. I think you have to, or if you make this after the regular season is over. Uh, who, who's your goalie? Who, who's the number one? Yes. Teo Droback, Marco Costantini, both have well, been very good. Both have been very good this season. Obviously, the defense helps, but yeah. when they've had to make saves, they've done it. And Marco Costantini was so calm on Sunday against Kingston. It was almost like he wasn't even – you know, had a feeling in anything. He was just there. And it's this, like this decision for Jay McKee and the coaching staff has to happen, I think, with before there's 10 games left in the season. I think around really? that 15 to 10 games left, yeah. you got to decide who your goalie is for this playoff run. Well, I would say right now it's Constantini because when you look at the strength of the schedule, when you look at the schedule, who plays who – Constantini plays against all the teams that are in contention that are close to him in the standings. That's why I think right now it's Constantini because look mm-hmm. at the teams he's playing. But Drobak has been really good. Drobak's been like he's been phenomenal at points this year. I mean, Constantini you saw that on Sunday against Kingston where he just plays a game in a rocking chair. I mean, he's so calm, right? Puck comes to him, easy save. Those are game like it's you get so jealous when you see goalies make saves, like make it look so easy because it's like it's so frustrating. Because you're not scoring. You're not going to score. You can get the best chance in the world. You're just not going to score. You just, like, it looks like you're not moving. He's so calm. It's like, ah, I'm going to break my $200 stick. Well, probably like 400 now, but I'm going to break my stick because of it. And I mean, you love that as a goalie, seeing guys break sticks on you. But it's, yeah, it's a definitely a debate. I mean, it's been talked about, but right now I would say Constantini. I would have to agree with you for sure. Uh, number two spot is the Kingston Frontenacs. They sit one point ahead of the Hamilton Bulldogs. They've played the same amount of games. Kingston is 22-10-3 with 47 points. I mean, Lucas Edmonds, 60 points, 35 games. What a year. Jordan Peraska, 46-33. and 33. Those guys are veteran leaders now. They're scoring. That's massive for Kingston. Now, 
Could you imagine when Shane Wright, Zade Wisdom, get going? Because, I mean, they're good. I mean, Wright, 43 points in 31 games. But, Reese, we've talked to media in the offseason coming into the season. They had high expectations. Shane Wright has high expectations for himself. He's in his draft year. He's the expected number one overall pick in the National Hockey League draft. You're expected to produce. You're expected to produce phenomenal numbers. He's having him over a point a game season, but you're expected when the last first overall picks in this league, when you look at exceptional players, I mean, when you look at McDavid's, the Stan Ghosts, the Tavares's, you're thinking elite status here where you're over, you're way over a point a game. You're not thinking about that. And they're two points Shane, per game. Exactly. And when Shane Wright gets going, which he will, I believe he will. If he gets going at the right time in the playoffs, you imagine how big his draft stock people are going to be all over him. People are going to be all over him. And when he gets going, the Kings and Frontenacs will get going. And what a what an opportunity they have here. They were the one of the favorites coming into the season on the media poll as well, just like the Barry Colts. That that's a team there where if the, their core guys get going, wisdom gets going, and right gets going. Look out. Yeah, Shane Wright as well, still donning that cage uh, against Hamilton yeah. on Sunday. So, yeah, yeah, for Kingston, I think I think we hit it off the top uh, with our thoughts on the weekend. Zade Wisdom's got to start showing that physicality a lot more. You know, we kind of saw it as matchup this weekend against Arbor Jack in the Bulldogs, but well, you know, we really haven't seen shot. it on a consistent basis. And I'm not saying, oh, he's got to be rough and take – you know, that's going to lead to penalties or anything. No, he's just got to try and figure out a way to get under other teams' skins. And that's exactly what Arbor Jack guys in Hamilton for. That's exactly why they got him. He's, <laughs> he's a great defender, and he pisses you off. And exactly. it's, it's right. going to work out well. But Zade Wisdom, he can score. He can put up points. He can set up guys. But it's that under-the-skin factor that has to start to come again for him. And, and it will. I think it's just – a keep saying it it's just a matter of time and we can keep saying it until it well where the hell is it but it's just it's a process the Frontenacs they know they have a limited window it's really this year and they just got to get down to it so yep exactly Marilinen also I think has to be a little bit better in net not very good on Sunday against Hamilton but I wouldn't say Kingston's defense was stellar either despite giving up very few shots all right moving to number one and i think a lot of people are thinking (laughs) how are they doing at number one but the mississauga yeah the mississauga steelheads 39 games played they are 27 8 1 and 3 58 points on the season most in the eastern conference most in the entire Ontario Hockey League by eight points over second place Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, why are they really good, and why are they turning into favorites to win this thing? So where do we start? Where do we start I know. We're, we're, we're way over 60 minutes. For anyone who's like, oh, OHL in 60, yeah, we do this a lot. We're going overtime because right now, these so are like- very good. Yeah, I can tell you right now, this game on Saturday in Hamilton, I am very excited for. I'm excited to, I'm excited to attend because this game is going to be a game. I mean, the Mississauga Steelheads are the team that matches up best with Hamilton. I had Hamilton winning 
winning the Eastern Conference on the media poll at the beginning of the season. And Mississauga is that team where James Richmond is the coach of the year because that system is incredible. It's so hard to play against. They're on you at all times. I have a picture. I have a picture from when they played Barry a couple of weeks ago. And when you watch the Barry attackers, there's no room at all. There's no space between the defense, between the Mississauga player and the Barry Cole. There is no space at all. All four lines are the exact same, and they're right in your face. There's no space. You can't get to the net. You're frustrated. Then you take penalties, and then they score. It is incredible to see how patient they are, how resilient they are, and how determined they are, and how dedicated they are to the system. And what a what a team they are. I, I love watching Mississauga play. When you watch Mississauga play, sometimes it's not the exciting. You know, it's not an exciting game because it's, it's all system. It's all structured. But shorthanded, they can score. Power play, they can score. They're, they're a fun team to watch, special teams. I mean, Luca Del Belbalu, 51 points in 39 games. And James Hardy, 50 and 39. I'm a massive fan of those two players. I mean, Del Belbalu's was big on my draft list last two weeks ago now, I believe. He was big on my draft list, him and Owen Beck. But Hardy and Del Belbalu's are two very elite talents. And they're a young team. Hardy, yeah, the veteran, but they're a young team up front. And they're a team that can win, that's for sure, right now. And they have good goaltending as well. Yeah, yeah that goaltending, Ranger Bazrin, uh, you got to look at them as the number one combo uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. And again, the decision's up for grabs. Who's going to be number one? Uh, my pick would be Bazrin uh, at this moment in time right now. Uh, but who knows what Richmond's thinking? But yeah, they're just the addition of Jake Uberti to that top line, I think, just fits that. And no, I, I've said this numerous times. The potential to be a similar player to Kirill Maximov is there for you, Birdie. And I think Richmond's going to get that out of him because he's five. such a good coach. He like he can he he'll turn it on for sure. He'll get you Birdie going and, and he'll be good. And yeah, it's yeah, that top line is just so good for the Mississauga Steelheads. They create so much offense, it's not even funny. But uh, yeah, they currently lead the Ontario Hockey League by eight points over the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Who would have thought that after A, their start, and B, London's start? Uh, London yeah. now is, math, 15 points behind the Mississauga Steelheads. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Games played is a big difference, but still, they got to win at least, uh, what is it? What is the games in hand? Nine games in hand, I want to say. So, yeah, the London Knights have played 32 games. The Mississauga Steelheads have played 39. Okay. Yeah. And it's so, wild to think the London Knights have not hit the, hit the halfway mark of their season. Yeah, they're going to play a lot of games. Eh? Yeah. They're going to play a lot of games. I'm say their goaltending depth is going to be tested. Be, There's no way Brochu plays all of these games. He's He'll be worn They're going to be in trouble in the playoffs. They're going to be trouble to play in the playoffs if that's the case because you yeah. start to see you start to see them rail a little bit. Two weeks ago now against Guelph, you started to see them on their heels a little bit late, in the, in the, especially in the third game. But, yeah, Mississauga is in good shape, I think, for the league. That's for sure. All right, uh, might as well get to it quickly. Uh, player of the week and goaltender of the week. Let me just pull up the page here before we hit the break and then get to our future game this coming week. There we go. Of course, we kind of already named it or said it earlier on in the show. Uh, Brant Clark is this week's OHL player of the week. 
Uh, he had two goals and seven assists, nine points in four games. Uh, he was also a plus eight on the weekend. Pretty good uh, yeah. for a highly touted NHL prospect right now. Uh, also in consideration for this award, his teammate, Nathan Allenson, uh, recording eight points, two goals, and six assists. Of course, four games as well. And then Rory Kearns of the Sioux Greyhounds, he had seven points, three goals, four assists in three games. Moving on, goaltender of the week, <laughs> we will head to the nation's capital, Max Donoso. As Wardy is laughing, laughing at something. You know what I'm. You know what I'm. Is cider ragdoll and zebras? No, 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 no. You know what I'm laughing about when I said look out of the things that caught my eye about uh, yeah, Musak. Second oh, time yeah. I've been going at yeah. it about that place. Yeah, so right. Not even consideration. That's what I'm laughing. Can't believe that five goals on nine shots. That's impressive. How's that not? How is that not talked about? We got it. Yeah, we did. Uh, Max Donoso, Ottawa 67s, is this week's OHL goaltender of the week. 1-0-0-1 with a 1-4-4 goals against average and a save percentage of 947. Also up for consideration. Just talked about him. Roman Bazarin of the Mississauga Steelheads. He was 3-0. and Goals against average, 167, save percentage, 911. And then reigning goaltend, OHL goaltender of the week, Matt Guzda. He was 2-0-1 with a 167 goals against average, and his save percentage was 940. Yeah. Time for a Good break. Week, though. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, when we come back, we will get to this week's featured matchup and then wrap up the show. You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Domaney along with Colin Ward. Uh, no featured game this week uh, for anyone wondering out there. There's a lot going on. Uh, Wardy will be in Hamilton Saturday. We can guarantee that. Uh, I may be in Peterborough and Ottawa this weekend. We can't guarantee that. I could be in Hamilton Saturday. Also can't guarantee that. But uh, hockey's back for me Friday. We've done a couple of Thursday night matchups the last couple of weeks, so we'll get away from that. There's just a lot going on this week, so no featured game this week on the OHL and 60 podcast. We'll come back next week. There are quite a few intriguing matchups, so we'll get into that. But, uh, Wardy, there are a couple games that you're uh, looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, big one is, for me, Friday night in London. I'm, I'm interested to see how London Knights look against the Winter Spitfires. Are the legs there? You take you get a week off. What do the legs look like? Can you get your feet underneath you? Can you get things going early off the bat? Because the winter's going to come out hard. They always do in London on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mississauga-Hamilton, that's an easy one to pick Saturday. Uh, Hamilton obviously going to be without McTavish. So, I mean, really this isn't going to be a hard Mississauga-Hamilton game like you're probably going to see in the playoffs at some point which is unfortunate, but it's still a nice test to see what Hamilton's going to see without McTavish. We'll see uh, if Morrison, Kammer come back. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it's good. Uh, Friday in Guelph, I'm intrigued to see how the Storm respond against Owen Sound after falling to them this past yes. weekend. 
I think that's a huge game for the Storm to try and uh, get two points out of that one, especially after Owen Sound's 8 nothing loss. It was important for them to get the two wins after that game, and one of those wins was against Guelph, so we'll see if the Storm can rebound Friday night. That's going to be a big one. That's a good game for sure. That is it for us this week. Went a little bit longer, but meh, we're over it. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, always appreciate it every week. Uh, this is fun. We're getting into the fun part of the season. Uh, the draft will soon be here. The playoffs will soon be here. And, well, it may get pushed back, but the Memorial Cup will be here soon enough. So we're looking forward to it a lot here on the show. So thanks so much for tuning in. And we will chat again in seven days.